psychotic geeks obsessed with every little detail. It'll never get on the air. Well, I think it's good for a show to go off the air before it becomes stale and repetitive. I've just been informed that we are going off the air. Off air with Emily and Catherine. Okay, we're good. It was doing so good. And I was like, it just took a second. (laughs) And I was going to be really pissed off, but it's fine. I'm going to eat. This is my first bite of food this morning. Dang, girl. I know. You know how I like to eat all morning show, too. Yeah. And I haven't. It's like I I have sparkling water again, so the burps are going to be fabulous. Ivan had a sparkling ice yesterday, Mm -hmm. and... He was just like looking at me. He would just he makes direct eye contact at me and then lets the burps out. Get it? Um, kind of like, like I did the last time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all right, okay. You're like, all right, here we go. Um, do you have anything to talk about that we need to not mm. talk about here? Yeah, but I'll save it for lunch. For lunch, okay. Yeah, I just didn't know. Um. Hi, this is Off Air with Emily and Patra. Hey. And I just want to give a little shout out here. So somebody reached out to us on Instagram. Oh, mine are in my purse. And mine's on my desk. And it's an Instagram account called Never Get Murdered. And they have some, like, self-defense merch. Mm-hmm. Um, let me go through and... Okay. So nevergetmurdered.com. They're an online self-protection item store. Um, and they raise money to increase rape kit testing to help oh. give victims justice and put offenders behind bars. Yes, thank so you. So 10% of their monthly profits are donated to End the Backlog, which tests untested rape kits, which is amazing. Yes. So if Ooh. you want to go to nevergetmurdered.com, mm-hmm. we've got a discount code, ENDIT19. It's capital E, capital I, and then the number 19. For any alarm or whistle that you choose from the personal alarm section in the shop. Check it out. And it's really cool. We got these, like, they look like cat ears, but they're, like, brass knuckle puncher rings. And they're so cool. So thank you to Never Get Murdered for sending us some stuff. And go check them out. Yeah, definitely. I just went and looked at their website. And I it's sold out, but I want one of those little knives that are Transformers. I know. So cute. I know. Oh, I'd want to stab someone so fast. Yeah, they've got a real cool thing. We've also got that picture, the picture of what we got mm-hmm. posted on our Instagram. So check that out, too. And then, Noise. Yeah. It was really cool. <laughs> it, I was really excited about it. Yeah, I put them on Patra's desk because I think she was she's actually like working or doing something. Uh, stupid. No, she was working and I laid them on her desk and she comes out. And she goes, "Oh my god!" And I heard her across the office. It was great. It was awesome. So yeah. thank you again to Never Get Murdered. Um, I'll put the discount codes in our Instagram post as well, so you guys can have those if you'd like. Like they they look really cool. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I put them on and I immediately was like transformed to being a little goth queen at, yes. like, age 15. And I was like, yes. yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, it was great. It mm-hmm. was really cool. And it was really exciting to get him in the mail. So we got him. I got him Monday. Mm. But I wasn't here on Monday. So I so oh. I had this little package sitting on my desk that says, from Never Get Murdered. And two people came up, and they were like, um, what did you get in the mail? Yeah, um, Amanda <laughs> yesterday, I didn't know what she was talking about. She's like, we need to go see what Emily got in the mail. Like, as soon as she got here yeah. yesterday. And I was like, okay. And I went, and then I was like, oh, I know what she got in the mail. But yeah. yeah. She told me, and she's like, I was just real confused. Just <laughs> like, I was real curious. She's so sweet, Amanda. So yeah. she'll never get murdered, or she's most likely. Yeah, one or the other. Yeah. Like, she'll never, ever, or she absolutely will. Yeah. No offense, Amanda. <laughs> I hope you. you don't get murdered. She totally listens. I know. So. I hope you don't get murdered. <laughs> 
Oh, hey, congratulations on Rising Star, Amanda. Mm-hmm. What's up? Mm-hmm. Get it? You do do a lot. Do do. Do do. I noticed that as soon as I said you it. You do do a lot. You do do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, apparently. God, What's we're up? such 12-year-old oh, children. I know. We got to... Nothing. We're perfect. Yeah. I'm, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Oh, guess what? What? I finished this morning the last episode of Mindhunter. <laughs> I powered through that bitch this week. I was like, what was wrong with me? I had to, like, episode three mm-hmm. was when I was really like, <gasps> yeah. 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 And I kind of, like, was more into their, the couple relationship that I was totally bored with. I was more into it by the end. Yeah. yeah so that I helped. think it's because it's like. Stupid. It's stupid. Like you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dumb. But um, I love Dr. Carr. Oh, yes. She is mm, I like her. I like that entire show. Yeah, I it really was really do. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I was worried when I got to episode nine last night, sitting on the couch. I was like, man, you know, because I had didn't look to see how many episodes there were. I was mm-hmm. like, you've got one, but if you're lucky, you've got three. Cause it's always like 10 or 12. Yeah. I just had one. Ugh. But, but it's okay. I yeah. loved it. At least you kind of, like, mentally prepared yourself first. I did. I knew. When I saw it was episode nine and I hit, like, play, I was like, "Mm, mm." (laughs) Um, just like that. I think that's all I had to talk about was that thing. Um, Did we talk about the creepy guy? We talked about him, but we had an update, like, that afternoon. Was it that afternoon that everything kind of, like, blew up about him? Yeah. Okay. Or maybe it was... It was Monday afternoon. Okay. Because it was after the po- after I put the podcast up. Yeah. So we had talked about this guy that was kind of, that had followed us out of a local bar here mm-hmm. in town. And it turns out, I don't want to name any names because I don't know what's going on with him or, right. or any of my friends' names. Yeah. But nah. a friend on Facebook um, that is a little bit younger than me mm-hmm. um, had posted this long thing with a picture of him saying like, hey... Watch out for this guy. He's harassing. He's harassed me. He's harassed some of my friends around town. And then, like everyone I know—not everyone I know, but a ton of people, two dozen women mm-hmm. that I know that live or work downtown in this area—have had run-ins with him. Yeah, I mean, they, so scary. So scary. Oh. It was insane. They were all like, "Oh yeah, I've seen him, and he's scary. He's creeped me out. He's mm-hmm. done this. He's done that." Um, he's banned from a, one of the bars. A bunch of them now. A bu- good. He's banned from a lot of local downtown areas. I mean, shit, dude. I mean, and I did see a video of him yesterday getting picked up by the police, but I, I don't think they can charge him with anything. No, so, I not mean, unless he did something yeah. that nobody knows about. Right. So just, I, I have to say that I love all the women in Columbus just being like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, We're no. shutting it down. No, bro. <laughs> we're watching my, I'm, they're like, we're watching my friends' backs. I'm watching my own back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and P.S., we're also watching your back. Yeah. In not a great way. So, fuck off. And yeah. I love it. It's great. I love it. We're going to use some Never Get Murdered merch and just fuck him up. No, Ugh. just kidding. Just in case he gets assaulted. LOL, not me. I mean. I just recorded that. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Completely fine. I mean, if he deserves it. I know, but um, what if he gets murdered today and it says I want to murder him? Well, then we better hang out all day so I can be your alibi. Oh, my God. Okay, good. <laughs> Consistently have somebody around <laughs> you at all times. I mean, I never want to leave your side anyway, so Aww. it's easy. Done. Did it. I'm sorry. I'm a baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. Oh, God. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that I have to update you on. I'm sorry. I have so much to say. Don't be sorry. Because um, I don't have a lot to say today, I feel like. I was talking to someone on Sunday who has listened to our podcast, not like regularly, but um, was like, oh, well, I've heard. I know, why right? Why the fuck not? <laughs> but she said that she appreciated how we, um, you know, I said I didn't want to give any names because I didn't know what was going on with them. Right. She said she appreciated that aspect of things, how we talk a little bit more about victims rather than what happened to the victim, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that we, uh, like, for instance, gave the number for Turning Point during oh, yeah. that one week. Yeah, she she likes that. Teenage Domestic Violence Awareness Week. Yes. Yeah. So Well, good. I appreciate that, and we definitely try. Yeah, we get a little. My story, we get a little wound up. Just but. FYI, my story today is not focused on the victims very much, but mm-hmm. I tried. Well, you know tried. what? These are personal ones for us. Yeah, because mine is like all victim. It's I only have three pages, but all of like the the bad part is like a paragraph. Okay, so great. I don't. I don't know. So well, it'll make up for mine. <laughs> yeah, because mine's all bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I think. That's really. Let's check. I'm just gonna check real quick. What are you see checking? See if we have any reviews that we need to do any shout outs for or anything. Hey, are you ready? Probably not, but yes. Uh, oh, I yes. finally burped. I did it. Sensational. Good for me. Oh, we have seven ratings. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Okay. Ader Vader said, "My new best friends." Just oh. recently found this podcast and I'm loving binging on it. It's like having friends in your ear telling your favorite kind of stories with two cat hard eye emojis. <gasps> You're my best friend. <laughs> oh my god, I love you. Um Oh, we have seven ratings but three comments. So we read the two comments before. Mm-hmm. Um and that was a new one. So Love it. Thank you. Good job. Good job. Us. That makes me happy to be honest. I know I really like <laughs> it. I just like the attention. To be honest. You just like the attention. I, I just love like you. The attention. <laughs> That's why I'm in radio. Because oh I like the God. attention. I know. I'm always like, but I really like this job. And then I'm like, do I like it? Or do I just like um like I was in the liquor store, I posted on my Snapchat, and I was in the I was like looking for a cold sour beer, a tax man. Mm-hmm. And um I couldn't find it. So I walked over to like the wine area. Yeah. And I heard my talk break play and I looked real rough and I was like, <laughs> Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I so like the attention, but not. Sometimes I don't like it, but usually I do. It's fine. Yeah. It's look at me. Look at me. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I know what I have to tell you. Okay. Oh, so I on Monday I sat on a panel at UND because yes. I graduated from UND, and they every year they host a. It's called Indiana Association of School Broadcasters. So mm-hmm. it's like this big conference or whatever, and they host high school students the first day of spring break for college students at right. UND. So they do a competition. A couple weeks ago, I went and judged some entries, and then Monday, I was I was invited to sit on a panel, mm-hmm. which first off, like, what? I I felt that. so important when I got that invitation. I, I was like, oh, dude. Um, so I went and sat on the panel. I also... Got roped into judging the finals <laughs> for yeah. the competition, which was fine. I mean, I was there anyway. Um, and then, so I sat on this panel. And then one of the professors from Columbus East mm. came up to me afterwards backstage. And he was like, hey, I'm so-and-so. And he's like, I'm this professor here 
in Columbus and I do this. And he's like, do you want to come in and talk to our class? I was like, fuck yeah, I do. I don't think they don't have a radio class, but they have like, he's got a real big background in TV and he's like trying. They have a television studio. Yeah. He's trying to pull in radio and that kind of stuff. And he's like, is this, he's like, is this like what you want to do? I was like, I don't really know. So I was like, just ask me to be a teacher and we'll be golden. Mm. I was like, but it was really cool. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. He's like. So he's like, you're cool with me, like, reaching out? And I was like, oh, please. Like, come on. Right. I was like, I'll come in every week if you need me to. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, heck, yes. Let's do this. Oh, I love that. So that, that was really cool. Yay. That somebody came up and was like, afterwards, and was like, hey. You impressed me with your knowledge. Would yeah. you come spread it some more? Because you're smart. I Thank sent you. Emily. Okay. I sent Emily a kind of a sappy Snapchat. Oh, she did. Oh, well, but I meant it. I know. God, I know you meant it because so you got much. sappy on it. I know. And I just, because I'm never serious about anything. I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't. Oh, my God. What was that? My zipper on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, we're never serious about anything. Obviously. My God. Um, but I had. <clears throat> I wasn't important enough to be on a panel, but I moderated one um, for International Women's Day for the French, okay, Columbus, Indiana, Acquille. Sure. Yeah. Uh, It means home in French. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, And they, after, someone mentioned that a mentor could be, like, someone that's younger than you. And I totally see Emily that way. She definitely teaches me, has definitely taught me more things since she's been here than I've learned, like, overall. (laughs) Outside of Emily teaching me, I haven't learned it, basically. Um, And I appreciate you. You're so sweet. I appreciate you. And you share your knowledge really, like, openly and sweetly. And I loved it. And you're definitely, like, a mentor type to me. Even though I could be your mommy. I mean... I, mean, I could be your mommy. It'd be a horrible life for both of us, but I could be your mommy. Yeah. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be pretty rough. But. I could be your much older sister, a cool aunt. Yeah. I'm your cool aunt. You are my cool aunt. Aunt Patty. Oh, good boy. Gross. No. How about not? How about just BFF Patra? Okay, that works. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really cool to sit on a panel, and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm excited for you. And I was like, this is intimidating, but this is freaking awesome. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, Did you get anything that stumped you, like, that you couldn't really? Yeah, he asked me the very first question. He asked me, (laughs) like, we introduced ourselves. And then, so we went down a line. There were four of us on the panel. We went down the line. I was the last one. And then he said, hold on to the microphone. I was like, shit. Mm. And he's like, what is one thing that you've learned that nobody prepared you for? And I was like. I have no idea. I was right? like, um, <laughs> and I go, well, crud. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like I trying real it. hard not to cuss in front of all these high schoolers. Right. And business professionals. And I was like, crud. I don't, I made, I don't even know what I said. I made up some, I think I said something about being like r- recognized or like important mm-hmm. in the community. Mm-hmm. And I was like, even though I don't live in Columbus, I'm still. You're someone here. I'm still someone there. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's different. Yeah, like our afternoon listeners, our drive-home listeners, yeah. they're listening to Emily and what she has to say and yeah. what she thinks, so. And there's no, like, it's just weird. It there's is a little- Nobody prepares you for, I mean, it's not that I've been, like, recognized out anywhere or mm-hmm. whatever, besides, like, having my name tag on at events or something. Right. But 
it's, there's nobody prepares you for being like a public figure. Yeah. More or less. Not no. that I see myself as a public figure. But, but we definitely are. And like it's yeah, getting it's more and more common, I feel, the longer we're here. You know, staying at one station in this kind of community. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I definitely get recognized sometimes. Like I was telling Jose I had walked my daughter somewhere not too long ago, and I looked really, really rough. Mm -hmm. And after, like, two people I had ran into, I was like, all right, we can see where we're going. I I love you. Bye. Like, I'm going home. I can't run into anybody else today. (laughs) Not happening. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. But, yeah, it was a good—I wish we could have talked longer, but Mm -hmm. we were just kind of like the the entertainment until—because they do four live competitions— that day. Wow. So they do two radio and two TV. And the last the last bit runs all the way up until like noon. Mm-hmm. And our panel started at 12.15. And they have to, they pull the audio, they pull the footage and insert it into mm-hmm. this slideshow that they're playing. So it's like Neat. we were kind of the entertainment between like all day judging and all of, yeah. that stuff. So Dang. I wish we could have talked more, but. It was pretty cool. That is neat. I love that. Felt very important. Um, you are very important. And then one of the ladies at UND, she's like, I guess she was like a tech lady or something. Mm-hmm. She came up with the gentleman I met, and she was like, "Are you Emily?" And I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "What I do? <laughs> <laughs> what did I do now?" And he's like, "Oh no, no." And we had a good conversation. Nice. It's cool. I love it. I met one of the radio personalities from my favorite station in Indy. Nice. And. He was funny. He was cool. That's and I awesome. said, I said, I'll email you tomorrow. And he goes, will you? And I said, yeah, I will. So I, I had to set a reminder on my phone so I wouldn't forget. Nice. Because so, I didn't want to be that asshole. Yeah, I will. And, and I then sent him an two email. weeks later. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I but it was cool. Oh, it was really mama. neat. And it was really cool to meet somebody like <clears throat> right down the road. Right. From us. That is oh. cool. Yes, I will come speak to your class. Yes, I will become a teacher. That's fine. Yes, I will teach. Yes. I will share my knowledge. Yes. I love it. Even though I'm only a baby in this industry. (laughs) I'll do it. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It was cool. Um, I think that's it. Okay. That was it. Bye. Toodles. LOL. Okay, so whose turn is it to go first this time? Mine. Oh, what's up? I love that. Okay. Uh-oh. Ooh, it looks hefty. Okay, so it's seven pages. Oh, mama. This is, so this episode we decided last week was going to be kind of like a what got our start in true crime mm-hmm. type of thing. Like what, us, what got us like, ooh, that was interesting. I want to read something else or I want to watch something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's the what hooked us episode. Right. Like fish. <laughs> That's not the sound that that makes, but it's fine. No, I liked it. Um. So this one, it's so... It's kind of works because Patrick and I both have different perspectives on what hooked us. Hers is the, from the victim's perspective yeah, yeah. and mine is from the actual serial killer's perspective. <laughs> like that he's what intrigued me. Right. And um, one of my favorite cases to learn about, mm-hmm. it's Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, snap. Did you talk to uh, Sean in, in, in the office to know no. his story? Remember Amanda said that one of our accountants here... Amanda, again, referenced one of our accountants here thinks that he might have almost been picked <gasps> up by Jeffrey Dahmer. Did you not know that? No. Oh. Canceled. The show's canceled. Anyway, real quick. I told you guys I don't do research. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, he had a stray. I haven't heard his story directly from yeah. him. Maybe we can do it for next week, but whatever. He had a strange run-in with a man that was similar in his appearance. Like, yeah. you know, he was young, so he doesn't know. Um, uh, same time frame, same oh location. God. And he, like, now, once it's all come out and, like, looking back on it, when the whole thing, you know, happened, oh God. he was like, uh, that could have been that guy. Oh, my God. Yeah! Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. G. Yeah. Continue. Okay, I'm going to turn my pages over. Okay. okay. So, Jeffrey Line, Jeff, start over. Okay. From the beginning. <laughs> Clean take. <laughs> Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer was born at an Evangelical Deaconess Hospital in West Allis, Wisconsin, on May 21st, 1960, to Joyce Annette and Lionel Herbert Dahmer, an analytical chemist. Joyce reportedly had a difficult pregnancy with him, according to Jeffrey's father, Lionel. His... According to Jeffrey's father, his mother suffered bouts of partial paralysis during the pregnancy. Doctors were unable to find any reason for the paralysis. Yeah, I was thinking, like, what what caused that? Yeah, no idea. But she was given injections of barbiturates, morphine, eventually, which would eventually, no, start over. She was given injections of barbiturates and morphine, which would finally relax her. And she was also given phenobarbital as well. So did that make the paralyzed thing go away? Because maybe it was like... You know, like stress. Yeah, maybe she's some... just like locked up out of stress, and mm-hmm. and then it just says it relaxed her. So I'm assuming like her muscles relaxed her. I have Frick. no idea. That's insanity. Anyway. But that's a lot of medicine, especially when you're pregnant. Yeah, I wouldn't even take Tylenol when I was pregnant. Yeah, or drink a Big Red for yeah. fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in 1962, the Dahmers moved to Ames, Iowa, so Jeffrey's father could work on his PhD in chemistry. 1964, Jeffrey was diagnosed with a double hernia in his scrotum that surgery corrected, which, ouch, he was only four years old. No fun. Man, a lot of little boys have scrotal problems. Scrotal hernias. (laughs) I'm sorry. Scrotal. Um, I'm going to describe everything as scrotal scrotal. for the rest of the day. I'm sorry. When I got Yoda neutered, Mm -hmm. one of his testicles was in his stomach, so Mm. he had to get fancy surgery to get that testicle out. It was all up in there. It was all up in there. I was like, Damn. of course you're going to cost me more money. Thanks, you Yoda. Shithead. I didn't even want you in the first place. No, no I'm you, just kidding. You did. You love <laughs> That was rude. <laughs> <laughs> um, November 1966, the Dahmers moved to Doylestown, Ohio. There were several other moves over the next year as they searched for just the right place to bring up Jeffrey and his brother David, who was born on December 18th, which was seven, seven years after David, or okay. after Jeffrey was born. Mm-hmm. The pregnancy was difficult for Mrs. Dahmer as her first. Uh, at this time, a teacher, Jeffrey was in the first grade, noticed that he seemed to feel neglected. This, of course, a normal reaction for someone used to being an only child whose family suddenly expands. Most get over it fairly quickly, but he didn't. <sighs> <Jeffrey's> <laughs> of course he didn't. Of course not. Jeffrey's father describes him as being extraordinarily shy and withdrawn during this period, actually terrified of new people and situations. When Dahmer was eight, his family moved to Bath, Ohio. Dahmer became more withdrawn and uncommunicative between the ages of 10 and 15, showing little interest in any hobbies or social interactions. He biked around the neighborhood looking for dead animals, which he would either take home or into the woods and dissect. Mm. No, thank you. Fun. Great kid. Good to be around. Hang out with my kid. Golly. Uh, In one instance, he put a dog's head on a stake. My God! Yeah. Um... Side note. Yeah. The story that's going around in Jennings County about the whoever 
murdered the dogs. 12 puppies. Right. Fuck you. Yeah, dude. You deserve to burn in hell. Agreed. Ugh. Agreed. Nasty. Treacherous people. Mm-hmm. Treacherous. But here we are talking about Jeff Dahmer, and I'm like, and you're like, good lord. My favorite story of all time. God. Though he was an outcast at Revere <laughs> High School, he became kind of a cult figure among some students due to his impressions, due to his impressions of his mother's interior designer, who suffered from cerebral palsy. And his, uh, yeah. God. He was an asshole, too. Fucking rude. Uh, in his teens, Dahmer had begun drinking, and by the time of his high school graduation, he was a full-blown alcoholic. Mm. <clears throat> in 1977, his parents divorced, and he attended the Ohio State University. Sorry, the Ohio State University. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping out after only a quarter, having failed to attend most of his classes. He was drunk for a majority of the term. Uh, in 1978, at the age of 18, Dahmer's father was away on a business trip and his mother had moved out, taking his little brother with her, leaving him alone. June of 1978, Dahmer picked up a hitchhiker named Stephen Hicks, who was 19, and offered to drink beer with him back at his father's house, planning to eventually have sex with him. When, Dahmer tr- when Stephen tried to leave, Dahmer bludgeoned him to death with a 10-pound dumbbell, hitting Stephen in the back of his head. Dahmer buried Stephen in his backyard. Okay, how old was Dahmer at this time? You said 18. 18. Okay. Jesus. After dropping out of college, Dahmer's father then forced him to enlist in the Army, where he did well at first. He was stationed in Germany, and after two years, he was discharged because of his alcoholism. Mm. When the Army discharged Dahmer in 1981, he was given a plane ticket to go anywhere in the country. He reportedly told police that he couldn't go home and face his father, so he left for Miami Beach, Florida, because he was tired of the cold. He spent most of his time there at a hospital but was kicked out for drinking. So I guess he My just, like, God. hung out. Yeah. Like, was like, I don't have anywhere to go, so I'm going to hang out at this hospital. And not to, uh, please don't take offense, any veterans, but to be kicked out of the military for drinking? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. You're, you're chugging it, man. Yeah. Jesus. There's a picture. I looked at, um, so Murderpedia, when you're looking at Murderpedia, it has, okay. like, your all the articles and stuff, and it also has photos. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a photo of him in the Army, and he's passed out with a beer bottle in his hand. Fuck, dude. Yeah. Uh, he re- the And one of his people, mm-hmm. his, what are those? Victims? No, the people that he works with in the military. Like, um... Co-workers. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Co- co-soldiers. One of the people that was in his little platoon with him said that he would he would get what he needed to mm-hmm. get done, start drinking mid-after, early morning, or late after, late morning, early afternoon, go all night, and then just redo it every single day. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, he returned to Ohio. He continued to drink heavily, eventually getting arrested for drunken disorderly conduct that same year. After his military career ended, Dahmer accepted his homosexuality and became a regular at Milwaukee's gay bars. Is there, like, a proper term for gay bars, or is that just what it is? I think it's still gay bar. Okay. Yeah. Great. I'm not the official, um... You don't... You're not? I'm not the... <laughs> you're not the official terminology there, wizard? <laughs> but, uh, as any of my friends, we'd say gay bar. Okay. Okay. I just don't want to offend anybody. <clears throat> yeah, I feel that. My story is all I offend. Okay. I don't want to offend you. The okay. whole thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> in 1982, it's like writing um, like a research paper mm-hmm. and you're like finding 12 different 
sentences and words to describe one thing because you don't want to say yes. <laughs> you're like expanding your vocabulary <laughs> oh bullshitting because you don't want to do something. Um, <clears throat> in 1982, Dahmer moved in with his grandma in West Allis where he stayed for six years. During this time, his, became, his behavior became even more strange. His grandma once found a fully dressed male mannequin in his closet. He had stolen it from a store, and on another occasion, she found a 357 Magnum under his bed. More <clears> concerned <throat> about the gun than the... Well, I don't know. If I found a mannequin in the closet, yeah. I'd be like, what are you doing? Kind of. If I found a mannequin just, like, sitting in your living room, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. I'd be worried it would come alive if it was in my closet. Mm. Just saying. Jesus. Terrible smells came from the basement, and Dahmer told his father that he brought home a dead squirrel and dissolved it with chemicals. He was also arrested twice for indecent exposure, both in 1982 and in 1986. In his second offense, he masturbated in front of two boys. Mm. <clears throat> Casual. Nine years after the murder of Stephen Hicks, on September 15th, 1987, Dahmer spent the day drinking at a gay bar, drinking at a gay bar named Club 219 and picked up Stephen Tuomi. He was 26. They went to a hotel and rented a room. Dahmer claimed he had no recollection of what happened after that, not recalling if they had any not recalling if they had had any form of sexual relations, but when he woke up Stephen was dead. Mm. Dahmer bought a large suitcase, stuffed Stephen inside and caught a taxi back to his grandma's house. Once there, he cut up Stephen's body, placing the pieces into garbage bags and putting the bags onto the curb with the rest of the day's trash. Ow. My God. My foot I just... saw your face because I'm like watching you. I was like, oh. <laughs> My foot just slipped and hit the corner of that thing. No, it hurt. I'm sorry. It's okay. You didn't push it down. It's fine. <laughs> I'll beat it up. <laughs> On January 16th, 1988, Dahmer approached a young male prostitute, James Doxtater. His last name is spelled Doxtater. Doxtater? And that's really all I want to say is Doxtater. I love I it. I highly doubt that's what it is. I bet it is. James was 14. Oh. Um, he offered James money to make a video with him. James agreed and Dahmer took him home to his basement room. Dahmer then gave James a sleeping drug concoction. And once he passed out, Dahmer strangled him. He then stripped his body of all flesh by using acid, then smashed up the bones with a sledgehammer. After he was satisfied with his work, he scattered the bone fragments. On March 24th, 1988, Dahmer met Richard Guerrero, 25, at a bar called The Phoenix. Richard was broke, so Dahmer offered him some money and he would come back if he would come back to his place and make a video. Richard agreed. Once back at Dahmer's, they had oral sex. Then Dahmer offered him a drink. Richard accepted, etc. Mm. Richard was strangled, dismembered, and disposed of. During the summer of that year, at the age of 28, Dahmer's grandma finally asked him to move out because of his late nights, weird behavior, behavior, and the weird, gross smells coming from the basement. My God. On September 26, 1988, Dahmer had conned a... L is it Laotian or is it Loatian? Laotian. That's okay. <laughs> uh, he conned a Laotian boy, Heeson Synthesome, Synthesome Phone, 13, into coming up into his apartment. Once, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I have to interrupt to fine. say I only know that it's Laotian from King of the Hill because of the neighbors. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you're 100% correct. No, you're fine. Con Super Newsome Phone. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. This is serious. Oh, Fuck. boy. Sorry. Continue. That's all right. Once there, Dahmer drugged and molested him, but Keeson escaped. He reported the incident to the police, and Dahmer was charged with sexual assault and enticing a child for immoral purposes. He spent a week in jail before getting released on bail 
On January 30th, 1990, Dahmer was found guilty for the crime and four months later was sentenced to five years probation, one year in a work release camp, and was required to register as a sex offender. Dahmer was paroled from the work release camp two months early. Mm. After serving his time at the halfway house, Dahmer rented a place at the Oxford Apartments, which is now the infamous apartment 213, and began his weekly escapade. So... On March 25th, 1990, Dahmer met Anthony Sears, age 26, at LaCage. Dahmer took him back to his grandmother's, a ho- grandmother's house because he assumed the police were watching his apartment. Once there, they had sex. Afterwards, Dahmer made him a drink. He murdered him and decided to, skip, decided to keep his skull as a trophy. My God, dude. On June 14th, 1990, a week later, uh, well, I guess this is more two weeks later, Dahmer met Eddie Smith, 36, Eddie readily accepted Dahmer's advances and went back to Dahmer's apartment where they had oral sex. Afterward, Dahmer offered Eddie to drink. He passed out, was strangled, dismembered, and then his remains were also thrown out with the trash. July of 1990, Dahmer met Raymond Smith, which we'll call Ricky Beeks. He was 27 at Club 219. Ricky was a newcomer to Milwaukee. Dahmer asked him back to his place to pose for some photos. Uh, Ricky accepted his invitation. Dahmer offered him a drink. Once Ricky passed out, he was strangled, stripped, and then Dahmer had sex with Ricky's corpse. This was the first corpse that Dahmer admitted to having sexual intercourse with. Once he had finished with Ricky, Dahmer dismembered the body and threw it out with the trash, all except for the skull that he kept and painted to preserve. Jesus. Yeah. Do you feel like he is escalating at this point? Do you know what I mean? Like, it seems like it was slow to start, and now he's, like, cranking him out. This is, like, it's just... The date, the actual dates mm-hmm. are, like, just about a week apart. Apart. Jesus. Um, on September 3rd, 1990, Dahmer picked up Ernest Miller, 22, took him home, had intercourse with him, drugged him, and then changed his game plan. He didn't strangle Miller, but instead cut his throat. He then sliced off his biceps and put him in the freezer. And then after taking all of the flesh off of his bones, Dahmer decided to keep Ernest's entire skeleton. Frick. Look. Where's he putting all this stuff? My apartment is small. Yeah, right? My God. It was around this time that Jeff's neighbors started to complain about the putrid smell coming from his apartment. Dahmer explained to the landlord that his fridge was broken and he would get it fixed as soon as possible. Mm. In September of 1990, Dahmer met David Thomas, 23. Dahmer and Thomas were drinking in Dahmer's apartment when he gave David a special drink. Uh, Dahmer claimed he didn't want to kill David, but he was worried he might be upset when he woke up that he was drugged. Mm -hmm. Dahmer decided the best thing to do was to kill him anyway. This time, he filmed the whole dismemberment. He also took photos of David's severed head in various positions in the apartment. These were later viewed by David's sister so she could ID him. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That's like the worst thing in the world. No, thank you. Uh. On February 18th, 1991, Dahmer met Curtis Strader, 19. Curtis wanted to be a model, so when Jeff men- when Dahmer mentioned he posed for the photos, he gladly agreed. Curtis was strangled while giving Dahmer oral sex. Dahmer kept Curtis's skull, painting that as well. He also decided to keep the hands and his penis as well. Um, on April 7th, 1991, Dahmer met Earl Lindsay, 19, at a local bus stop. Earl was paid by Dahmer to come back to the apartment, Dahmer offered him a drink. He accepted, and soon Dahmer was performing oral sex on his corpse. He kept his skull as well. On May 24, 1991, Dahmer met Tony Hughes, age 31, at Club 19. 
Tony was a deaf mute, so Dahmer wrote his offer on paper and handed it to Tony. $50 to pose for some photos and watch videos. Guess what? Mm. He drugged and strangled him. He left the corpse laying around his bedroom for a few days before dismembering it. Three days later, in the early morning hours of May 27, 1991, 14-year-old Conorak sent the phone, the younger brother of the boy that Dahmer had molested earlier, was discovered on the street wandering naked, heavily under the influence of drugs and bleeding heavily from his rectum. Two young women from the neighborhood found him and called 911. Dahmer chased Conorak down and tried to take him away, but the women stopped him, which, like, good for you. Yes, thank you, ladies. Um, Dahmer told officers John Balserzak and Joseph, Gr- Joseph Gabrish, dispatched to the scene, that Conorak was his 19-year-old boyfriend and that they had an argument while drinking. Against the protests of the two women who recognized him from the neighborhood and insisted that he was a child that couldn't speak English, officers turned him over to Dahmer. (sighs) Yeah. That pisses me off. And that is, I was waiting for this one. Yeah. I was waiting for that one. They later reported a strange smell coming from inside Dahmer's apartment, but never investigated it. The smell was the decomposing body of Tony Hughes that he just left in his bedroom. The officers failed to make any attempt to verify the boy's identity, locate someone who could communicate with him, and failed to run a background check that would have shown officers that Dahmer was a convicted child molester still under probation. Later that night, Dahmer killed and dismembered Conorak, keeping his skull too. On June 30th, 1991, Dahmer traveled to Chicago for gay pride. While at a bus depot, he met Matt Turner, 20 years old. Dahmer talked him into coming back to Milwaukee with him and paid for their Greyhound bus tickets. Once in his apartment, Dahmer drugged and strangled Matt. He then decapitated Matt, wrapping his head in a plastic bag and placing it in the freezer. Dahmer then placed his torso in a blue 57-gallon barrel. You know, the barrels that you see on the side of the road, and you're like, "Mm, there's a body in there. Yeah, I know those barrels. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On July 4th, 1991, Dahmer decided to go back to Chicago. While there, he met Jeremiah Weinberger, 23, Jeremiah asked his roommate what he thought of Dahmer, to which he responded, he seems all right. So Jeremiah goes back to Milwaukee with Dahmer. Again, he pays for their bus tickets. When they arrive at the apartment, they have mutual sex, and Jeremiah spent the night. But when Jeremiah was done having sex and was like, no more, I'm done, Mm -hmm. he said he was going home. So Dahmer said, fine, offered him a farewell drink. He strangled Jeremiah, and Jeremiah's head was also found in Dahmer's freezer. Fuck. Yeah. On... So this this is where it's like the week. This is the weekly stuff because mm-hmm. it's June thirtieth, July fourth, July twelfth, nineteen ninety one. Dahmer met Oliver Lacey, twenty three. They went back to Dahmer's apartment, had a drink, fooled around, and then Dahmer strangled him. He performed necrophilic ske- necrophilic sex on. Try again. <sighs> Dahmer performed necrophilic sex and sodomized the corpse. He then sliced the right bicep off and ate it. He then placed Oliver's head in the fridge next to an open box of baking soda. Like, one box of baking soda is going to do anything, dude. Oh, my God, Emily. And put his heart in the freezer to eat later. He also put other body parts in the freezer and the rest of the flesh into the trash. He kept Oliver's entire skeleton, too. It was at this time that Dahmer was suspended from his job at the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. Mm. It seems that he he spent too many days at home with his quote-unquote friends. I don't like that. Oof. On July 19th, he was fired from the job. Hmm. And then, guess what happens? That same day, Dahmer met Joseph Braidhoff, 25, at a local bus stop. It was pouring down rain. Joseph had a six-pack of beer with him, so he decided to go back to Dahmer's to party a bit. 
Once there, they had oral sex. Dahmer drugged and strangled him. Dahmer slept with Joseph's body for the next few days until, this is really nasty, mm. the head became infested with maggots. Ugh. Dahmer cleaned it, put it in the freezer, and placed his torso in the blue barrel as well. Do you think he can't smell stuff? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I have no idea. Like, you think, ugh. Anyway. Dahmer had the idea that he could turn his victims into zombies, completely submissive, eternally youthful sexual partners, and attempted to do so by drilling holes into their skulls and injecting hydrochloric acid or boiling water into the, boiling water into the frontal lobe of the area, into the frontal lobe area of their brains with a large syringe, usually while they were still alive. Mm. Dude. I don't even like getting water in my ears. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and like getting like accidentally like splashing water up your nose. Yeah, it burn. It's like completely burning. injected into your brain. No, thank you. Talk about burning. Anyway, <laughs> okay, but so this is happening. Gay men, mm-hmm. youngish gay men, mm-hmm. are disappearing slash being murdered, mm-hmm. like one after another in, in ninety and ninety one. Like mm-hmm. no one's. Are we, has anybody caught on other than the two ladies that were like, nope, that's not your kid. That's not your boyfriend. And it stinks over there. Other than those two women yeah. that clearly knew that he was up to no good. <laughs> nobody else knew? I Come on, not. man. Or they knew, but they weren't paying nobody any cared? attention. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, nobody I'm, cared. I'm on my high horse today. You're good. Nobody cared. Um. Oh. <sighs> Oh, there was a hair in my coffee cup. Cute. Hopefully it was mine. If it wasn't, I drank all my coffee. (laughs) Christopher finds my hair all over him all the time. And he's like, (laughs) and I'm like, it's not mine. I don't know whose it is, but it's not mine. It's not mine. (laughs) Even though it's very clearly mine. Obviously yours. (laughs) He's like, he'll like get some of his work clothes out of the dryer or whatever. And like, he'll sit there for a minute because he's got to, because they're all like intertwined. Yeah. I didn't do it. Sucks. Wasn't me. <laughs> um, other residents at the Oxford apartment complex noticed terrible smells coming from apartment 213, as well as the thumps of falling objects and the occasional buzzing of a power saw. Oh, my God. Like heads rolling off of the counter. Fuck. Yeah. On Ugh. how fucking sick would you be? Like you, you're like noticing this stuff. I mean, yeah, people in apartments make so much noise regardless. Right. But how sick would you get? After this guy's caught and you're like, fuck, that thump was that head. Right. You gotta fucking be kidding me. Like I you're would... you're sitting on the couch. Yeah. You're watching Shits Creek. Yeah. <laughs> Just I don't know, eating a donut. And you hear like zzz, and you're like, huh. And then two weeks later you find out what that was. Yeah. Every time you I watch Shits Creek, you'd be like, huh. I would literally die. Yeah. I'd have to I'd have to be You'd have to move, number one. Psychologically. You'd need a lobotomy. Yeah. Lobotomy. Mm. We'll talk about that another time. (laughs) My feelings on that. Um, On July 22nd, 1991, sticking to his weekly theme, which this is actually only three days later, but that's fine, Emily. Uh, Dahmer lured another man, Tracy Edwards, into his home. According to Tracy, who clearly survived, Mm -hmm. uh, Dahmer struggled with handcuffing him, failing to do so ultimately. After holding a large butcher knife, Dahmer forced Tracy into the bedroom where he saw photos of mangled bodies on the wall, noticed the terrible smell coming from the large blue barrel. 
Tracy punched Dahmer in the face, kicked him in the stomach, and ran to the door, escaping. Yes, Tracy. Yes, get it. Running through the streets with the handcuffs still hanging from one hand, Tracy waved for help to a police car driven by Robert Roth and Rolf Rolf Mueller of the Milwaukee Police Department. Tracy led police back to Dahmer's apartment where he acted friendly towards the officers. Of course he did. Of course. Tracy remembered that the knife that Dahmer had threatened him with was in the bedroom. When one of the officers checked the bedroom, he saw the photos, called for his partner to arrest Dahmer. As one officer subdued Dahmer, the other opened the refrigerator, finding a human head. Oh, my God. Further searches of the apartment revealed three more severed heads, multiple photographs of murdered victims and murdered victims and human remains, severed hands and penises, the photographs of dis- and photographs of dismembered victims and human remains in the refrigerator. The previously mentioned blue barrel was filled with a potent acid which dissolved human bodies to sludge for disposal via the toilet. Oh, yeah. I mentioned a couple episodes back that like throwing women's bodies away mm-hmm. is like or anybody's right. body. Throwing bodies away is the most terrible thing to me. Right. This one. Flushing them down the toilet might be worse. Pretty bad. Pretty bad, dude. Um, several corpses were stored in acid-filled vats. Items for the construction of an altar of candles and human skulls were found in Dahmer's closet. Seven skulls were found in the apartment, and a human heart was still in the freezer. Containers of ethyl alcohol, chloroform, and formaldehyde, along with glass jars with preserved genitals, were found in the closet as well. Accusations soon surfaced that Dahmer had practiced necrophilia and cannibalism. Dahmer was indicted on 17 murder charges, later reduced to 15, with his bail reaching upward of $5 million cash. He was not charged with the attempted murder of Tracy Edwards. The trial began on January 30, 1992, with evidence overwhelmingly pointing against him, Dahmer pled not guilty by reason of insanity. The trial lasted two weeks, and the confession was 160 pages. Damn. That's a long confession. Holy shit. Yeah. After a five-hour deliberation, the court found Dahmer sane and guilty on 15 counts of murder, sentencing him, sentencing him to 15 terms, 15 life terms, totaling 957 years in prison which was the maximum penalty available since Wisconsin abolished capital punishment in 1953. 1853. Let me get it. You okay. got it. I'll get the phone when it rings. We got four minutes. Okay. <laughs> it was for me anyway. Huh. Community calendar. Oh. After Drake. I see it. Do you want to wait or continue or? Um, Got a couple minutes. I'll continue. Okay. I might be able to even finish. Ooh. Um, Depending on how well I read. (laughs) At his sentencing hearing, Dahmer expressed remorse for his actions, saying he wished for his own death. In May of that year. I feel like you can't do that. I know. Yes, you deserve to die, but you can't. You can't. Right. Mm -hmm. No. Actually, nobody cares what you wish for. Yeah. Buddy. Fucking I don't give idiot. A fuck if you want to die. Like, yes, I would much rather inject We care you and if we kill want you. you to die. We don't care what you want. Yeah. Basically. There you go. That's good. <laughs> um, in May of that year, Dahmer was extradited to Ohio where he entered a plea for the murder of his first victim, Stephen Hicks. Dahmer served his time at the Columbia Correctional Institution in Portage, Wisconsin. He declared himself a born again Christian. A local preacher from the Churches of Christ, Roy Ratcliffe, agreed to baptize Dahmer. Twice in prison, Dahmer was attacked by fellow inmates. 
the first time being in July of 1994, as Dahmer was returning from his to his cell from a church service in the prison chapel, an inmate attempted to slash his throat. He escaped with superficial injuries. Later, while doing janitorial work in the prison gym, Dahmer and another inmate, Jesse Anderson, who was convicted for murdering his wife in 1992, were attacked, severely beaten by inmate Christopher Scarver, who was also in for murder, with a broomstick handle on November 28, 1994. Mm. On the way to the hospital in the ambulance, Dahmer died of severe head trauma. Anderson died two days later. When Dahmer's mother learned of his death, she responded to the media, now is everybody happy now that he's bludgeoned to death? Is that good enough for everyone? Okay, yeah, we'll take it. Thank you. (laughs) The response of the victim's families was mixed, but appears most were pleased with his death, which I mean, obviously. Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, duh. Yeah. The Oxford apartments were demolished in 1992, and the site is a vacant lot. Plans to convert the site into a memorial garden never materialized, which is sad. Yeah, but shit happens, Sometimes it's better to just move on. I don't know. Yeah. In 1994, Dahmer's father published a book called A Father's Story and donated a portion of the proceeds to the victim's families. Most of the families showed support for Dahmer's parents. Both continue to carry the name Dahmer and say they love Jeffrey despite his crimes. Dahmer's mother passed in 2000 of cancer. David, Dahmer's younger brother, has changed his last name and lives in anonymity. Good for him. Yeah, I would too. I'd be like, yeah, fuck that. Could you imagine? On December 12, 1995, a judge ordered the cremation of Dahmer's brain, which had been preserved at the request of his mother in hopes of having it studied. She had hoped to determine whether biological factors were behind her son's behavior, which, I mean, I get. I get it. She doesn't. I mean, I'd be like, hell yeah, you can keep his brain. Yeah. Cut it up. Look Figure at it. it out. Figure out what happened. Probably the morphine. Do you feel like she gives, she feels responsible for her son's actions? Probably. I would. I would. Um, It was also said, I think, in another article I read that she was an alcoholic, too. Mm. Maybe not while she was pregnant, but raising her children. So that probably, I definitely think it was not only just a neurological thing, but also a uh, environmental. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Columbia City, Columbia County Circuit Judge Daniel George made his ruling during an hour-long hearing to decide what to do with the brain. Dahmer's father sought the cremation because his son had requested it. Dahmer's body, except for the brain, was cremated in in September, and the ashes were split among both of his parents, who were obviously Mm. divorced. And I guess that caused a big thing as well. Gosh. Um, Dahmer's estate was awarded to the families of 11 of his victims that sued for damages. In 1996, Thomas Jacobson a lawyer representing eight of the families announced a planned auction of Dahmer's estate to raise up to a million dollars, sparking controversy. Mm-hmm. Civic group Milwaukee Civic Pride was quickly established in an effort to raise the funds to purchase and destroy his possessions, which good for them. Yeah. Get that shit out of this world. I love that. The group pledged $407,225, including a $100,000 gift by the Milwaukee real estate developer Joseph Zip. Zilber for the purchase of Dahmer's estate. Five of the eight families represented by Jacobson agreed to the terms and Dahmer's possessions were destroyed and buried in an undisclosed Illinois landfill. In January of 2007, evidence surfaced potentially leaking Dahmer to Adam Adam Walsh's Walsh's 1981 abduction and murder in Florida. However, Adam's father, John Walsh, 
believed that another serial killer, Otis Toole, committed the crime. Mm -hmm. When interviewed about Adam Walsh in the early 1990s, Dahmer repeatedly denied involvement with the crime. In 2008, Florida police declared the Walsh case closed, naming Toole, who died in prison in 1996, as the killer, which I'd like to cover Adam Walsh's case at some point in time, too. So yeah. Well, there are more details on that to come. But that's Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, my God. Know. Good job. So he was the first, like, actual serial killer mm -hmm. that I had ever heard of. And I was like, that's insane. Like, to me, I think what, like, clicked me onto this mm -hmm. category and topic was that I can't obviously wrap my mind around how somebody could do that to not only just yeah. one person, but 15. so many. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what started it. I mean, he just, I can't like, in all the like video footage you've seen of him and pictures, he's mm -hmm. just so calm. Mm -hmm. So that's all I picture when he's doing this stuff. Like yeah. that creepy just calmness. Completely chill. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, <throat> I guess I, so this all, when did it come out? 91, 92? Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that he was caught. It was 91, right? Yeah. Um, All I remember, not all I remember, but what I remember most standing out to me about his trial was um, when the victim's families got to, like, say things to him. Um, was just this one, this one mom who, like, had to be restrained. And mm -hmm. I remember her just screaming, like, Jeffrey, I hate you. Yeah. And I, that, like, as a mom, it just hurts me. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, much. God. Yeah. No, thank you. That was a good one. So, Thanks. why do you think? It, just because you can't imagine it? And it was like your first, your yeah, first it was like my first it. thing. And it was like, I can't imagine how somebody could do that. And then it was like, obviously, there's plenty of information, especially mm -hmm. on his case, where it was like, I just want to know more. I want to yeah. know why. I want to know how. I want to know. Why? What? Right. Just I wanted. I wanted all the information on it. How could you live in that place? I don't know. Like not how could I, even yeah how could you do that? How could you be this person? But how could you live how could you there? Live there. Yeah. My God. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. No, thank you. <clears throat> pass. Hard pass. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So that was Jeffrey Dahmer. This is, I guess. Um, I barely even mentioned the murderer's names. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Good. Goodness. Okay. So, um, first, I did not realize how, like, important the story was to me at all mm -hmm. until I started going back. Because I haven't really thought about it in a long-ass time. Yeah. So, I did more research than normal, I feel. I asked a lot of questions of people in the LGBTQ community. Um, I want to be as sensitive and supportive to the transgender community as possible, and I will reference a family friend who identifies as agender, and I've asked their permission to be discussed here today. And I'm sorry if I get anything wrong or any terms wrong or if I say it incorrectly that makes you think, like, hmm, message me and teach me. Because yeah. I, I want to know. I am super supportive. Patrick That's... and I both have <laughs> the same view on these kind of, like, heavy, hard-hitting topics that mm -hmm. people are afraid to discuss. And... Basically, I think, and I'm correct me if I'm wrong because obviously I'm speaking for you, but be who you are. Yes, I don't give a fuck what you look like, what you sound like, what you, what's going on mm -hmm. inside, outside, whatever you do, you. Mm -hmm. And by any means, anything that comes out of our mouths is that may incline some type of prejudice or right. discrimination or whatever is not 
It's not, not the case, true. whatever. We misspoke. We don't we're know what we're talking about. Really sometimes, freaking dumb. Sometimes we're real. I was gonna sometimes we're idiots. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just real freaking dumb. And like, teach me. If I make a mistake, tell me about tell it. Tell me. So I can learn from it. I love constructive criticism or just criticism. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I have messaged my daughter probably a dozen times this morning, like making sure that I'm saying the right thing. Yeah. And she was finally just like, hey, you're good, girl. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, Mom, I'm trying to learn. Yeah, she's Wet. like, hey, I'm at school. Did you know? And I'm like, I love you. Call mommy. Snapchat me back. Okay. Anyway. Um, All right. Okay. So I'm just going to start. <clears throat> Tina Renee Brandon was born in Lincoln, Nebraska on December 12th, 1972 to Joanne Brandon. By his late teens, he started to identify and live as a man going by the name Brandon Tina. The youngest of two children, Brandon's childhood was marked by difficulty. His mother, Joanne Brandon, was a 16-year-old widow. Uh, his father died in a car accident, a truck accident, mm -hmm. when he was born. Joanne remarried for a short time but divorced when Brandon was eight, um, and she worked as, like, a retail cashier, so they struggled monetarily. Growing up, Brandon and his older sister, Tammy, were also sexually molested by a male relative. Mm. Brandon and his sister Tammy attended private religious schools. Growing up, Brandon had trouble following the strict rules. He enjoyed football, basketball, and weightlifting. And um, while still living as a woman, as a girl, was referred to as a tomboy. He kept his hair short, mm -hmm. and he had a very slight build. In his sophomore year, he moved away from home to live with a girlfriend, Tracy Beals, and began exploring his burgeoning sexuality. But Beals was reportedly abusive. And Brandon quickly landed back at his mom's house. <clears throat> so I had a lot of trouble finding stories that just referred to Brandon as Brandon or as a he. And uh, it's probably why it's so short. I just wrote this myself today yeah. from like documentaries and things that I had read. Um, let's go back up here. to get. Uh, what got me started was in 1996, there was a book called All She Wanted written by Aphrodite Jones. Oh, I know. Get it. Uh, and the tagline was, the girl who became a boy but paid the ultimate price for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember reading this book. So I'm, it must have been 96, 97. I would have been 15 or 16 mm -hmm. years old. I have, I had a cousin who um, passed away when she was 18 who was a quote-unquote tomboy, liked, you know, sports. Yeah. Um, very troubled alcoholic, and she uh, died in a motorcycle accident. But it was like a a family secret that this person was um, uh, a, for lack of a better term, we always just thought she was gay. Uh -huh. Now that I'm an adult, I'm like, oh, maybe not. I I get what was going on. Yeah, my family didn't understand. It was the '80s, right. so this book kind of made me realize, oh. Um, so I read it a lot. It was a paperback. My, we were a true crime family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My mom was super into it. So um, this is what got me started on this. I read this book and was like, oh, I, I like learning about this. Let's read some more true crime books. Mm -hmm. Okay. By his senior year, Brandon was self-identifying as a man and dating women. He would sometimes introduce himself as Billy and later started using the name Brandon Tina. Brandon had transformed himself from a socially awkward teen into an outgoing class clown. His mom, Joanne, was not supportive of his transition, and she refused to accept Brandon's male identity. 
Joanne continued to call Brandon her daughter, Tina. When Brandon was 18, he was over high school and attempted to join the Army. He didn't pass the written exam. He quickly lost interest in school and was expelled just three days shy of graduation. Oh, my. I know. so frustrating. I know. Three days. (laughs) Many of Brandon's girlfriends describe him as, so this is going to the, the documentary. They describe him as the ideal man. He looked like a handsome, rugged cowboy, but was also sensitive and knew how to make women happy. In the documentary, which I've watched like a couple of times this week, um, and a dateline, just so you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the documentary is called The Brandon Tina Story, and it's it's older, you can tell, but um, the girlfriend spoke, okay, the girlfriend said that he was every woman's dream, that he knew how to treat a woman. One of them, one of the girls, you, she says that they never... She couldn't say that he was an excellent—she said that he was an excellent kisser, Mm -hmm. that she couldn't account for him as a lover because they never had sex, you know, which she doesn't say they didn't—a penis didn't penetrate her vagina, Mm -hmm. but that's what she means. She's like, we didn't have sex because Brandon didn't have a penis. So other things transpired, and the the girl, she's trying to be completely, like, chill about it. But she just kept saying, excellent, excellent, excellent. And as a woman, I'm like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, like repeatedly yeah. saying that excellent kisser, excellent guy. He was just excellent. That's how she was. It was it was kind of endearing. Mm-hmm. Um, another girlfriend saying she didn't know how or why it worked so well. And she's like, I don't know how it worked. I don't know how or why it worked. And then she's like, so well. And then her and the... A reporter interviewing her kind of like giggle and they switch to a different thing. So Brandon was killing the game. Yeah. Basically. Um, Although Brandon was troubled. He was severely depressed. He had a lack of support from his loved ones and his friends. um, And he was confused about what was happening. Yeah. He attempted suicide and spent a few days in Lancaster County Crisis Center where um, a psychiatrist there determined that he was suffering from a, quote, gender identity crisis and personality disorder. When Brandon was released, he quickly stopped attending therapy and began acting out. Um, He forged checks to buy expensive things for his girlfriends. Even one time of note, stealing a credit card from one of his girlfriends and then buying them gifts with their own credit card. In 1993, faced with multiple warrants for theft and forgery, Brandon left his hometown and headed to a place where nobody knew that he was a born female. And even in the stories, they say, even they say where nobody knew he was biologically female or actually female. He was born female. Mm -hmm. He identifies as a man. Just before his 21st birthday, Brandon moved to Humboldt, Nebraska to get a fresh start Um, a new community he could identify solely as a man, and he met a new friend group, which included John Lauder and Marvin Thomas Nissan, I think. It looks like Nissan, but with an E instead of an A. Mm. He also began dating 19-year-old Lana Tisdell. But money was still an issue, and Brandon began forging checks again. On December 19th, 1993, Brandon was arrested. Um... When his girlfriend Lana showed up to pick showed up to pay his bail, she was shocked to find Brandon housed in the female section of the jail. Mm-hmm. This was her first awareness that Brandon was transgender. 
Brandon had a lot of stories about his gender. Um, he had told people in the past that he was born a hermaphrodite. Uh, he had said that he was in the process of gender reassignment surgeries. And he also mentioned his gender identity crisis um, being a reason. Despite his attempt to identify as a man, everyone in town found out that Brandon was born female when his arrest details were published in the local paper along with his birth name. So his new friend group were some good old boys. They hung out at the bar. They drank a lot. Um, rugged cowboy types, as they like to say. Mm -hmm. And they were not down with this whatsoever. They were pissed. How could you lie to us? Because there's pictures of them, like, palling around. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Um, they felt upset, very upset. And they also, like, also the girlfriends felt upset and embarrassed. And they took a lot of flack for it. Like, how could you not tell yeah. that it was a girl fucking you and not a guy, basically. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, moving on. During a Christmas Eve party, uh, Neeson and Lauder grabbed Brandon, forced him to remove his pants to show and prove to Lana Tisdell, his girlfriend, that he was, quote unquote, a girl. Lana said nothing and only looked when she was forced John Lauder and Marvin Thomas Neeson assaulted Brandon and forced him into a car. They drove him to an area by a meatpacking plant in Richardson County where they assaulted and gang-raped him. Mm. They then returned to Neeson's home where Brandon was ordered to take a shower. Brandon escaped from a bathroom window and went to Tisdale's house because they had let Lana go. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think they pronounce it Lana, but I can't. Yeah. It's Lana in my head, and I will just say it five different ways. He was convinced by her to file a police report, though Neeson and Lauder had warned Brandon not to tell the police about the rape or that they would silence him permanently. Brandon went to the Falls City Hospital emergency room where a rape kit was conducted and filed a police report. Sheriff Charles L.A.U.X. Lau? I think so. Okay, Sheriff Charles Lau did nothing. He is the worst fucking guy. I don't know if you've ever, like, heard the recordings of this interview he's basically like so what happened did they pull your pants down or what and when they saw that you know you're a girl because you're actually a girl right and Brandon has to like admit that he has a vagina he has to you know he's just so rude I yeah it's just awful um he's like so, basically, he doesn't believe Brandon and thinks that he got what he deserved because he's just lying and pretending mm -hmm. to be a guy. And he's like, he says awful things. It says that, I wrote that Sheriff Lau blamed Brandon for his assault and made inappropriate comments about his identity. He would say things like, so they saw your vagina and they didn't stick their fingers in there? Um, one of the, the guys, yeah, one of the guys claims that they were too drunk to get it up. And he was like... So if he didn't stick it in you, then you didn't get raped, right? I mean, stuff like that. Just being fucking awful yeah. to Brandon. Um, and you can hear Brandon say, like, well, I don't know what they put in me, but it hurt. You can hear awful, awful things. And at mm -hmm. one point, the sheriff says, um, well, what's wrong with you? Why are you like this? And he says... I have a gender identity crisis. And when he says that, it breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, John Lauder and Marvin Thomas Neeson were not arrested. Of course not. Or even brought in for questioning regarding the rape and assault against Brandon. 
Uh, the sheriff basically just thought Brandon got what he deserved, and that was it. Brandon's mother would later file a lawsuit against Richardson County and Sheriff Lau for their negligent treatment. Um, they were The family was awarded nearly $80,000, but they filed the suit in 1999. A judge at the time tried to lower it by 85%, saying, like, hmm, you didn't have that much, like, trauma. It's fine. So they tried to give him, like, $12,000. They were finally awarded the money in 2001. So it took years even to get that sorry compensation, Jeez. to be honest. Lau subsequently interviewed— um, I'm sorry. After being questioned by the police, uh, Neeson and Lauder were furious that Brandon had reported the incident and sought revenge. Lana Tisdale and her family, and there was, in the, I can't remember the name of the woman and the son in the documentary, there was, like, one woman that kind of was like, what's wrong with you guys? Mm-hmm. It's just a kid yeah. trying to be who they want to be. Um, kind of pushed the sheriff to to talk to these two. So they did get questioned. They were not brought in. It was like on the street kind of questioning. Um, so once they were questioned, they were very upset. They sought revenge. On December 31st, 1993, Lauder and Neeson went to where Brandon was staying. The duo shot and killed Brandon at point blank range and then stabbed him. There were two other adults in the home at the time of the killing, Lisa Lambert and Philip Devine, and they were also murdered. All of this done in front of Lisa Lambert's eight-month-old son, who was left there unharmed. John Lauder and Marvin Thomas Neeson were arrested and charged the same day. Both were found guilty of murder. Neeson received life in prison in exchange for his testimony against Lauder, and Lauder received the death penalty. But in 2015, Nebraska abolished the death penalty, thus giving Lauder a life sentence. Joanne Brandon publicly objected to the media referring to her child as he and Brandon. Following Hillary Swank's Oscar acceptance speech, Joanne Brandon took offense at Swank for thanking Brandon Tina and for referring to him as a man. Brandon is buried in Lincoln Memorial Cemetery in Lincoln, Nebraska, his headstone inscribed with his birth name and the epitaph, daughter, sister, and friend. Of course it is. So that is the story that got me hooked on true crime. It is super depressing. I'm sorry. It is really sad. It is very it's a, sad. It's thank you for sharing it. Um, have you seen Boys Don't Cry? Hillary I don't Swank know. plays um, Brandon, and Chloe Sevigny plays Lana Ooh. Tisdale. Well, I'll go watch it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I remember watching the movie a bunch. I don't know, '99. I was in high school still, just graduating. Uh, I had never seen the documentary, though, until just this week when I was mm-hmm. like, how I research is while I'm working on other stuff, I listen to podcasts or doc- or Datelines or something on YouTube. Yeah. To something like, that doesn't rem- require your uh, complete attention. Yeah, to like kind of ease me back into the story before I get all worked up. This one, I was worked up immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I said I was going to reference a friend who identifies as agender. So my daughter has a friend who she has been friends with since elementary school, mm-hmm. and they are now in the 10th grade. Um, and I know a lot of people think kids don't know what they're talking about or don't know if they're gay or straight at this age yet. I mean, at least a lot of people my age talk like that still. Right. Um, the I'm not going to – she said – or they said I could use um, their first name as long as I don't reference their last name, but I'm not going to. 
it is difficult for me to even remember their old name. Mm-hmm. They have been going by a new name and a new gender and identity for four years to mm-hmm. us. Um, we're the family that that it's safe to go over and be yourself at their house kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Good for you. So now when I'm trying, like if I see people from their elementary school, they'll like ask about like, oh, how's Amelia? And how-? I'll be like, oh, yeah, they're doing great. And um, it's hard for me to remember their old name to be like, oh, yeah. This person. Yeah, that's this person. And I kept trying. There was one specific incident. I was talking to a teacher and she had asked about them. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, you remember. And I kept saying their new name. And I said it like four times. And I was like, oh, I mean this. And they were like, oh, yeah, I remember her. And I was like, yeah. Um, This person just came out to their parents recently with this stuff and still get called their old name at home. Mm -hmm. Um. I can imagine, like, I can kind of understand how parents have a more have a more difficult time with yeah. it because, I mean, especially like moms, like you're growing this child in your belly right. for nine months. You're it's you know, mm-hmm. and then you give them a name, and obviously coming out of the womb, they don't make that, they right. don't know that choice or whatever, mm-hmm. and so like you're doing all this, and then it it. They mm-hmm. realize this is who they are. So I can understand, like, that adapt. Like, if you came yeah, in. Yeah, no, I get it. If you walked in and said to me, like, I'm going to be called Ted mm-hmm. from now on, I would still fuck up a lot of the time and be yeah. like, Pat. I mean, it would. So I can understand that. But it's like. I still trip up with she and they. Yeah. Um, because they prefer they. Mm-hmm. But the name, I've got it. So it's. Yeah. And the, I made sure to ask. I was like, do they identify as gender neutral, gender fluid. You know, I don't know what all the terms exactly mean. Yeah. And my daughter was like, no, they identify as agender. And, you know, she was like, and yes, of course, they said, talk about it. Stop being stupid. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, I just feel like just be you. Yeah. You know, that's how I feel. And I want like I wanted I want my kids to feel comfortable being themselves. Mm-hmm. I want their friend. And if they would not feel comfortable being themselves with me if I had some prejudice against their friends or mm-hmm. or anyone else. If they heard me, like, to them, like, say, of course, sweetheart, be yourself, and then go sit and talk with their dad and be like, can you believe this person's doing this and whatever? That's just not going to happen. Yeah. So um, I do, I care a lot about the transgender and LGBTQ rights and mm-hmm. the community and— um, Columbus, Indiana Pride is April 13th. We'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's it. That's why. I guess, I don't know if I feel a lot about that because of this story or if I just, I don't know. Yeah. A lot of my friends and family are part of the LGBTQ community and I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, fight me. You want to fight somebody? I'll yeah. fight you. Let's fight. Let's, Let's fight do. about it because I'll fight you. Yeah. I like that. You want to fight about it? Because I'll fight you. Because I'll fight you about it. Leave them alone. They're busy. There's my title. There's our title for this episode. I'll fight you. Oh, my gosh. Um, That was good. That was a- we did good. Yours yeah. was very murderer-focused, and mine was murdery-focused. Yeah, I really liked. Oh, I shouldn't have said murdery. Oof. It's okay. That just took all the... Anyway, moving all the, on. All the heartfelt <laughs> stuff we literally just said. No. Oh, God. 
<laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, we just Help. talked about it earlier. I know. It's We're fine. sorry. We are sorry. So sorry. And please just message me uh, with all the things I got wrong. <laughs> Monday Monday afternoon, we're going to be in our programming meeting, and it's going to be like, bloop, 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 oh, bloop, bloop. Oh, mama. <laughs> Just kidding. You did go, You did really good. Thank you. Yeah. If anything, I'm going to get yelled at, so it's fine. Okay, good. Let's get yelled at together. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, I think it's lunchtime. I think it is definitely I'm lunchtime. I'm, like, real hungry. Me too. I've been hungry nonstop. I'm thinking about that pretzel bun all day. I mean, you know I'm always thinking about buns. What's up? Buns, huh? Now it's a pretzel bun. Um... Okay. All right. Uh, remember to check out Never Get Murdered on Instagram. Yeah. And give them some love and give us some love. Share with your friends. Leave us a review. You'll get a little shout out. On That's the right. Of the episode, if I remember. We love it. And that's it. That's all. We'll see you next week. Bye. Toodles. I don't like that I say toodles at the end. Toodles. That's so stupid. <laughs>